Therapy with My Mom is an educational podcast meant to entertain and provide individual perspectives to our listeners. This podcast is in no way a substitute for professional counseling. If you are in need of mental health services, please reach out to a professional in your area. This podcast may also cover sensitive topics or involve triggering words about death, loss, and trauma. Please use your own discretion when listening to this podcast and consider whether the topic being discussed is something you are ready to fully explore. Welcome to Therapy with My Mom, a podcast hosted by a mother and son who love each other very much. Aw, hi, I'm Julie Barkowskis. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a certified addictions counselor, as well as a somatic experiencing practitioner. I've been providing therapy on an outpatient basis in my private practice for over 20 years. I'm Ryan Barkowskis, her son and a millennial that was graced with having two parents who are both social workers. This podcast is here to educate our listeners on the various aspects surrounding mental health. Our guests will include individuals who are going to share personal stories on mental health struggles, as well as professionals who can shed light on the array of therapeutic approaches. We hope you enjoy the journey with us. Welcome to our show. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, Happy New Year to you, by the way. I don't know if I've said that to you enough, but Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, wondering if you uh, are feeling a little more rested now after all the holidays. A little bit. I think family time is still, it's not, you know, overtly draining, but it's, it's active. So like, uh, you know, I, I still found a fair bit of activity and busyness mm-hmm. in our holiday time, but I feel um, energized, I would say, you know, full of yeah. life after seeing you. Full of life. Oh, full my. Life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice? Well, you know, I, I always appreciate when you visit and I also uh, feel a sense of kind of settling when you're gone because my nervous system just wants to get back into some kind of semblance of routine. Uh, mm-hmm. But your energy is always missed. So did you say you feel settled when I'm gone? Is that what you uh, My nervous system settles. You said back you feel routine. better and happier as soon as I walk <laughs> out the door. Got it. Got it. Well, good to see you. Let's just start the episode again. We start, we do the both end conversations here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. You're great thinkers. We're great thinkers. Sorry about that. So our uh, our new guest here today uh, is listening to us uh, banter here, <laughs> and um, I'm happy to introduce her. Uh, it's Michelle Maidenberg, and uh, Michelle has been so gracious uh, to be a part of our podcast today, and uh, she has so many credentials. You you and I were talking about it before she got on. Yeah. That we we're like. What are all these credentials? <laughs> yeah. From what I see, Michelle, if I may be so bold to call you Michelle. Absolutely. Um, you have PhD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also listed as an MPH mm-hmm. and LCSW hyphen R. So I'm less familiar with those last two. Could you define? Sure. Those? sure. So the MPH is master's in public health. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And the LC- LCSR is a licensed clinical social worker. And the right. R is just, uh, basically you have to have, in order to get insurance reimbursement, 
you have to have either three years of supervised, you know, clinical practice or six years. So the R indicates six years and more. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. so that's in New York that that's, that's the case. It's, it's a specific licensing in New York. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. that R stands for really, like I'm really a licensed <laughs> clinical social worker. Yes, exactly. It's and again, most people wouldn't know it's innocuous because it has to do with insurance reimbursement. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, well, we catch those. We talk about that. But that, <laughs> that's good to know. Um, and so Michelle, what are you here to talk to us about? You know, I just published a book, which I'm extremely excited about. It's mm-hmm. kind of my pride and joy at this moment. It's my mm-hmm. new baby, since I have a lot of babies mm-hmm. under my wing, but this is a new one. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm most proud of the fact that I'm a mother of four children. Um, yeah. So I have to say that, <laughs> plug that, but um, youngest, 14, yeah, youngest, 14, <laughs> youngest 14 and the oldest is 22 and it's uh, nice. three boys and the youngest is a girl. Um, so those are my original babies. And then I have four fur babies, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's a pretty, pretty happening, you know, house. Um, and this is my newest baby. So it's called ACE your life, unleash your best self and live the life you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the years, you know, I've r- written numerous, numerous articles, hundreds, you know, mm-hmm. thousands, thousands probably of articles. Um, and it's really a conglomerate of, you know, my life's work. You know, and I, I find when, uh, you know, when I speak to my, my patients, when I practice personally, you know, to really, really thrive in my life, I really use these skills. Um, everything's predicated foundationally in these core skills. And it's mm. something that I found was really like woven into my practice and my work. So I wanted to package it in a way where it could be really useful to people and that they could have easy access to it. Um, and it's beautiful because mm-hmm. when I speak, I just, just the other day I was talking to a patient and I said, you know, she, we were talking about values and I have a whole chapter on values. And I said, you know, you really would benefit you to read the chapter because it's, mm-hmm. you know, because again, a lot of the book is also research-based. So it gives, you know, kind of an understanding of where this comes from and why it's beneficial, you know, according to research, it's evidence-based. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we were talking about, you know, about it and, um, and then, you know, she came back and she was like, oh, I've been reading it. And she said, oh my goodness, it's like all the stuff we always talk about, but like, I love <laughs> the way that it's like organized and then it has mm-hmm. these exercises at the end and then it has a guided meditation that you, yeah. you know, that you listen to. So, you know, mm-hmm. she found it really useful. Um, and yeah. I, I consider this different than other books because a lot of the books are topic-based in other words, you know, freeing yourself from anxiety, etc. And I had an issue, like when I was actually publishing this, where the, you know, the um, publishers were asking me like, who does this serve? Like, what's the purpose of this book? Cause they wanted to obviously market it. And I said, mm-hmm. this is like more of, you know, if we want to call it like a roadmap, this is something that you use from when mm-hmm. you, I mean, I, I teach these skills to teens, to young adults, you know, mm-hmm. all the way through, you know, any age, it really cuts across developmentally. And it is, if you use these skills, then you will have the life you want. Um, so it's useful for any stuckness, you know, for any challenge that kind of comes your way. If you're, if it's, you know, if you really utilize and predicate your life using these skills. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a really, um, major guide for anyone about getting through life, uh, in in a positive way. Yeah. I kind of get, I get the impression that you do a lot of positive psychology. Would that be true about you? 
Yeah, I, I do use a lot of positive, positive psychology. I think what motivates me and my work and, you know, the underpinning of it is the theoretical frameworks that I use, of course. And that is, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, eye movement desensitization, reprocessing, you know, systems there. I use a whole bunch, you know, I could go on and on, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, t- I teach a course in mindfulness at NYU. So a lot of it is mindfulness based, you know, so it really cuts across all of those theoretical frameworks and they're all, it's all evidence-based. So it has been proven that this benefits mm-hmm. and I see it in mm-hmm. my, pra- I see it in my practice. I mean, I, I literally see miracles every day. And Mm -hmm. it's so incredible to see the transformations that people make before my very eyes. It is incredible. I was wondering if you might mention the name of your practice or the organization or foundation that you're part of. Sure. So my practice is just a private practice, but Mm -hmm. my name, but I do also have a foundation. It's called through my eyes, T H R U my eyes. Mm -hmm. It provides free clinically guided videotaping uh, for chronically medically ill individuals who want to leave a video legacy for their children and loved ones. Oh my! Yeah. So I don't know if oh. you, I don't know if you came across that, but I I I was curious because I was like, what's the through my eyes? I was curious about the phrase. So now that makes sense. Yeah. So wow. I've, been doing it, I've been doing it for about ten years, and um, we've done over three hundred videotapes, and I have to tell you. Oh, it has been so incredibly therapeutic and rewarding. And mm-hmm. right now, unfortunately, or fortunately, we're going through a restructuring because I really want to offer it to many, many more people across the country, you know, mm-hmm. nationally. And we unfortunately need funding, of course. <laughs> That's how it, it always works. Um, so I'm really looking to restructure it so that I could be able to provide these services. I actually just did a videotaping very recently of a woman in Idaho in a rural, rural part of Idaho, she mm. was like very low socioeconomic status, a woman, a, you know, a single woman who, who had, you know, seven children who never, mm. ever, A, would have access to this type of service and could never afford this type of service. Yeah. Um, so being able to provide this to anybody, you know, across, across the country is just so satisfying and rewarding. Yeah. That's really special. Yeah. It's incredible. Thank you. Hey mom, before we uh we can always throw this back in ahead of this, do you want to make sure we get in our uh, our little icebreaker question before we keep diving into our topics? Uh, this is a great time to bring in the ice icebreaker yeah. question, if that's okay. Uh, this is such an easy question because <laughs> the answer is very obvious. So I'm I'm one of those educators that gives you like a really easy question. So <laughs> Wait, this has a definitive answer, like it's not an open ended one. It's a multiple choice, but okay. it's pretty obvious what choice you would make. <laughs> okay. So I'll just I'll just throw it out. And I so basically, if you were stranded on a desert island, and who would you choose out of these four individuals uh, with the following conditions: hypochondria, um, bipolar disorder, uh, avoidant personality disorder, or social anxiety disorder. And which one would you pick? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I, I would say social anxiety disorder. Yay. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. Like, <laughs> hands down. 
this is a this is a perfect scenario for a social anxiety disorder. yeah do you want me to say why or, or are we, are uh, we, we saying, could we could if the listeners need a little bit of uh, yeah, I need explanation to know why. yeah <laughs> oh wait yeah. but then it may it may influence your answer ryan well she already said that's the right answer so i've been influenced uh, i apologize there's more than one right <laughs> is there okay then it's it's the fifth it's the fifth unoffered answer which when she uh, asked this question to me earlier, I quickly joked, I would choose dissociative personality disorder. That way I have more people to talk to. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but that's, that wasn't one of the options. I so I, I guess I would choose social anxiety disorder. Yeah. My very basic logic is like, well, they would be able to handle just me. It's, uh, it's a very much more isolated situation. Yeah. So it yeah. wouldn't be something that's so triggered. Yes. Well, and also people with social anxiety disorder want to be social. You know, that's, that's what evokes the anxiety uh, because what's meaningful to them, important to them is that they're social. Um, So you could work through that. In other words, Mm -hmm. there's openness to work through that and it's not confounding. Let's put it that way. Yes. My, (laughs) my focus when I'm on a uh, deserted Island is to help this person work through their anxiety disorder. Yes. I was like, hey, this was a good situation. Let's exactly. let's work on our exactly. thoughts and feelings. Exactly. And you do, like again, would you want to like choose somebody mm-hmm. who has a personality disorder? That's a very different type of you know challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're on the boat from the mental institution, and the, so you have your choice of patients. <laughs> That's how we got stranded. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I kind of want to use this as a segue, as I just kind of call out the idea of helping others. Um, through looking into you, Michelle, you have so many resources, you know, in the books that you have written, uh, your blogs, many articles that you've written for psychology today. Um, I'm just so impressed by how much you have offered your services to be trying to help others. And so my big hard hitting question for you is why do you want to help people so much? That's a great question. And if I tell you that is my goal in life. So thank you for acknowledging it. That means I'm actually accomplishing it. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, it's so, it's so interesting because I think some of it is driven by my childhood, of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, one of the things that I've always kind of struggled with because my parents divorced when I was very young and I, I literally went to like six different elementary schools. If you could even imagine that happening, Ooh, wow, wow! I was constantly, constantly like reinventing myself with new kids, new situation, new setting. And you could imagine how destabilizing that is. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always had to like check in with myself and make sure that I'm okay. And, and that that's always been, and, you know, of course, what ended up happening is I was a parentified child. You know, just mm. a position. I was the eldest. You know, my my parents married and had me when they were extremely young. Um, I also come from a lot of intergenerational trauma. My four mm-hmm. grandparents are all Holocaust survivors, mm-hmm. um, and all four of them had very well. How could you not have a traumatic experience? I mean, that's given. Yeah. But pretty profound traumatic experiences. Like most of their families were murdered, and you know, before mm. the before their oh. eyes. Yeah, I mean, really oh. horribly, horribly traumatic. So for one, and I didn't realize the impact that it had on me, you know, I, I really realized that more today, which is so interesting, but, you know, my, one of my grandmothers um, would talk a lot about the war and she would tell stories very, you know, specifically about her experiences in the war. 
And I didn't realize the effect that it had on me, the impact. Mm. That's one. And I always felt a deep, and I'm an empath by nature. So I always felt such a deep, yeah, (laughs) such a deep, 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 empathetic, compassionate, you know, part of me that just really wished that I was there to help her, you know, in some way. Mm-hmm. And it really engendered that in me, that kind of helpfulness and compassion. So that's one. I think my grandmothers specifically mm-hmm. had a huge impact on me. I remember I was videotaping my grandparents, you know, when they were older. And I asked my grandfather, I said to him, you know, how did you, I asked the question, I said, how did you survive that? How did you even have like the mental kind of wherewithal to just exist and, and thrive. And they, and they were pretty successful. Like they made lives of themselves. I have to say that are pretty impressive, you know, mm-hmm. given, given the trauma. Um, and they came here without a shirt on their back. And my grandfather said to me, he said, well, I would wake up every night and I'd be crying and I would be like talking and, and saying that I missed my mother. I used to cry for my mother. I used to have dreams about her and dreams about her. And I would, I would like yearn to see her. And it got to a point that it was so, so, so distracting that I couldn't function. And I went to the rabbi and I said to the rabbi, I don't know what to do. I keep on having these dreams. And the rabbi said, just forget about it. You know, just Mm. put it out of your mind. It doesn't exist anymore. It was your past. Mm. You know, it's not going to be useful to you. Just forget about it. And I had tears streaming down my eyes when I heard that. Right. Cause like mm-hmm. all the work that I do is about like being with and working through. And so the, the fact that he had to repress those emotions yeah. were just so sad to me. And he looked at me, mm-hmm. he goes, why are you crying? Like, he was so confused. He's like, why are you crying? He didn't understand like why that would, you know, impact me in that way, which again, I found fascinating. So, you know, again, that, that empathy that I really mm-hmm. have for them. So that's one. Number two, I always found myself in a position of helping others, you know, because I was very pseudo mature, mm-hmm. you know, because of my circumstances, I just naturally was like that. And I think the other thing, which is so interesting too, is I think because of, again, the intergenerational trauma, my parents, you know, definitely were immature socially, emotionally, and a lot of other ways. And I always had to be the one who was, you know, more socially and emotionally mature to mm-hmm. be able to thrive, you know, and I had to take care of myself in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, you know, unfortunately. And then I think the other thing is a lot of projective identification came up with my mother. And one of the things, again, I'm just putting it out there, but one of the things she used to call me when I was growing up was selfish. Um, mm. Interestingly enough. Well, because I was a normal teenager doing mm-hmm. selfish things, right? And acting for my ego, which is what we do as teenagers, right? Yeah. Right, right. But for her, because of, again, not really being emotionally you know, aware, to her, it was being selfish, right? Mm-hmm. So right. That's how yeah. she referred to me. And again, I think, you know, I know, because I've done my own EMDR and I still continue to do it till this day. I'm still mm-hmm. in, in treatment. But I think that that is definitely a narrative, you know, for me. So I'm constantly fighting up against that. And I laugh Mm -hmm. now today I laugh because I'm like, Oh my God, everything I do in my Mm -hmm. life, like from soup to nuts is about in the service of others, like selfish. No, Mm -hmm. not me. (laughs) Like you cannot be calling me selfish. It doesn't fit, you know? So there's just so many reasons, um, you know, why that comes up. Um, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can, I can appreciate what you're saying and I can relate to a lot of different, in different ways. I certainly didn't have that background, but I, one of the things I've said before 
um, for you, it'd be out of the wounds of your grandparents came the granddaughter. But for me, it would be out of the wounds of my father came the daughter. Mm. And I think, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's interesting how we kind of become the next generation of, of you know, resolution or repair or, or that there's a rising out of, that I, which I believe is wonderful about the idea that there's this desire for healing that exists in all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I see the fabrics of my life and, you know, mm. kind of through history. Yeah. Um, and I have to say that um, I used to say this, which is also quite interesting. I used to believe that anybody could do our type of work. I really did believe that. I said, oh, what's mm-hmm. the big deal, right? Um, you know, you have a little bit of education and you learn, you know, but it mm-hmm. is very intuitive. It is very yeah. intuitive. And I think it does take a certain level of skill, obviously, and it's very stylistic. And today, because of my confidence and my work that I've done on myself, I realized that I actually have the skills to do it. And I know that not everyone could do this type of work. Absolutely not. Yeah. And it's it's something besides all that, which I think obvious that you need in a helping professional is that intention, is that constant intention of you guys are always learning. You're always taking more classes and you're still on your own journeys of self-improvement. Like that's what makes you good, you know, social workers and professionals, because that has been your life goal. And you're like, I'm still doing this for myself, kind of helping my clients is helping myself and it keeps teaching me and everything is just another experience that adds to that. Yeah. And I think the authenticity, I can't like, that's, that's the critical part of it. Like one of the things that my, you know, that my, you know, clients constantly say is that I'm authentic. Like they feel that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's something that definitely comes through, you know, when, you know, when I'm working with them, which I appreciate so much when they tell me that that's like the biggest compliment that they could give me is that, that I'm authentic. Well, I would imagine that that goes in your book then too, about living an authentic life as well. Yeah. And, and I give yeah. examples from my practice throughout the book too. And I also give examples from my personal life because I really, I, I feel when my clients experience, you know, certain things, obviously um, I may not have had their experience, obviously, because I can't, can't have all the experiences that my clients have had, but I could really feel them, you know, and, and I do, I emote, like if I have a, a reaction, I use myself in my work. And I say, I'll express it and I'll say, wow, what you just said really moved me. Mm-hmm. That was really meaningful to me. And I so appreciate that you shared that with me because I know that it's not easy to share things like that with, with yeah. others. Yeah. That you opened up and you actually like gave me a part of yourself. Yeah. Those moments when you have that connection in mm-hmm. when, when you're treating somebody, they're priceless. Yeah. That's what I live for. I've, um, I've said to people before and really why this podcast came about was because I just appreciate the really deep, vulnerable conversations through the product of being raised by these social workers and in the environment that I was raised in and my own self journey. You know, I I eventually got to a place where I was like, yeah, the small talk is fine. I think I've mastered that. But like, let's get straight to like, what what are you scared of? Like, what's (laughs) what's your favorite memory from this age or your favorite birthday? Like, I want to get to the meat of it. I think that's so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about acceptance, compassion, empowerment. Okay. Definitely. Why is this the acronym? <laughs> Why are these like, could you talk about these pillars and how this is like your brand or your, your method of therapy? Sure. 
it was what what was also um, incredible in my journey through this process is mm-hmm. when I first kind of unveiled this concept, um, there was a different word that I had for, I can't even remember what it was. That's the funny part of it for the C, mm-hmm. you know, when I had the book edited, you know, the, the editor said to me, did you know, I, I, I did like a kind of a word search. And I, I, I noticed that the word compassion, that you raise the word compassion so much more often than this other particular word. You might want to consider changing it. And I said, oh, that makes sense. And then when I read it, I said, it really is compassion. I don't know what I was thinking, you know? <laughs> um, and then this is like absolutely mind-blowing. I have a, like, um, oh, here it is, actually. I have a business card that I made up years and years and years ago. And again, who uses business cards? Like, I don't even use them anymore, right? Like, we, we use our calendar, our phones. Like, who uses a business card? And then I looked in the back of it. And it says acceptance, compassion, and empowerment. Hmm. I I was like in shock because I was <laughs> oh my god I had this I had this in me for for like all these years and who knew? Mm-hmm. And I thought mm-hmm. I just made it up, you know. I was like oh okay. <laughs> but it's amazing how things stay in our subconscious that we don't even realize mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah. Um, but when it really comes down to it, the pillars that I talk about: um, acceptance, compassion, empowerment, and again. When, because I really, the model in and of itself, I really have actually a diagram of the model. But what the outskirts of the model is really reevaluating your values and also that you're formulating your life around value driven behaviors. Um, Mm -hmm. And encompassing in the middle of that is practicing self worth, practicing self efficacy, and practicing self belief and self love. Um, And then in the middle of it, you know, encompasses curiosity and flexibility and being your best self. So it's, it's a model by which, again, you could walk, talk, breathe, um, Mm -hmm. and act in order to really cultivate a life that you feel proud of. And last night it was so, I have to tell you the story because I love these teaching moments with kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were in the car and I was driving back, you know, when we went out to eat, I was driving back and, um, my son, I'm very obviously into health and wellness and I've been working out for over 30 years. And, you know, for someone my age, which I'm going to be 52 in another week. Um, yeah. <laughs> <It's my birthday. laughs> um, but I have to say that I am, I'm very proud of my fitness level, you know, yeah. and I, I say that emphatically, you know, when I go to the, phys- the doctors, he always tells me, he's like, I have never seen lipid results like yours. Like you, you're like not human, you know, or he says, to me, he takes my blood pressure. And he said, you know, you have the blood pressure of an athlete, you know that. And when he says things like that, I am like, yay. You know, like <laughs> yeah, work so hard on it. Thank you. Yeah. And again, like, you know, results, right? Like you want to see that it's actually benefiting. So we're talking and my kids know how important fitness is to me. Right. Cause I've been role modeling that since they're babies. And I also really pride myself on having a very, very, um, conscious diet, you know, et cetera. My son, anyway, he's, he's a senior in high school and he's put on a couple of pounds, you know, recently. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so he said to me, he goes, I want you to know that I, you know, just wait, you'll see, I am going to, I'm going to the gym. I started going and I'm going to eat better because they know that that's a source of pride for me. So when they, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of take this on, they make sure to say so, you know, Mm -hmm. so he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and that. And he said, you know, I know, I know where I've, how I've gotten to where I am right now. And I'm going to do something about it. And I said, you know, Wyatt, good for you. Like, I'm so proud of you. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, you have to think about why you're doing this. Cause if you don't, you're going to resort back to the old behavior. Yeah. I said, you have to think about why this is important and meaningful to you. 
And I said, you know, cause one of my other sons is he's a semi bodybuilder and he, he, he you could see it. <laughs> so yeah. um, I said to him, I said, it's not about like how you look or, you know, et cetera. It's about how you feel about yourself. I said, yeah. you walk around with pride, not because you think you're better than anyone else, but because you're mm-hmm. proud of yourself. I said, don't you want some of that? Don't you want to walk around with your head high and feeling really proud of yourself? And he said, yes, that's why I'm doing this. And I, oh, I was like, hey, I was so proud of him. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you would be, yeah, you'd be modeling, as you said, that pride. Like you're like, this is such a big source of pride for me that hopefully Mm -hmm. he recognizes that like, oh, it's something that I can really take pride in as well. Yeah. Take care of myself. And I used his brother, you know, his brother, his brother was in the car too. And and, uh, he said it was nice because he was able to reinforce. And he said, I am so I walk around and I feel really proud of myself and I get out of bed in the morning and I feel proud about the person I am. Mm -hmm. And again, just Mm -hmm. to hear him say that, I was like, Mm -hmm. yes, like this is, this is, I don't even care what you do in your life or whatever. If you feel good about yourself and you can walk around feeling good, you know, like positive self-confidence, I've done my job. That's all. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, so if you're doing and acting on behalf of these skills, going back to the book, of course, Mm -hmm. you will walk away, you know, with this sense of pride. And again, we're taught socially and in our social fabric to be, and somebody just said this to me the other day, which was so fast. It was a friend. I was having this banter on text and I said something to the effect of noting that I was proud of myself. I don't remember what I said. And Mm -hmm. they go, "Uh, modesty, you know, they come Mm -hmm. to modesty. Mm -hmm. And I said, so he, and he made a joke. He put like hashtag modesty. And then Mm -hmm. I wrote back hashtag (laughs) self-confidence. I said, no, we're taught. That's the problem. If if we say something prideful about ourselves, we're taught to hide ourselves because we are then being like full of ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we're being arrogant. No, that's, that's not arrogance. That's self-confidence. You want to walk around feeling proud of yourself. And again, it's, it's not in comparison to others. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 It it really struck me when you were saying this, because I, you know, I'm being analytical here, but you were talking about how your mom was calling you selfish. And then I was seeing you talk and you're talking to your kids, like your self matters. And then I'm like going self matters. And, and so really that affirmation is, and in, you know, we're like, well, why can't I prod? Why can't I celebrate my own successes? Why wouldn't I be allowed to do that? And uh, we're not allowed, but we're not allowed. We're not allowed to, you know, in, again, in our culture, Mm-hmm. And this is what we're working up against. And this, again, when I do, it's interesting because the way that I broke it up very purposefully, intentionally, I broke up the chapters. The first part of, you know, the first chapter is on our thinking, because that's a whole other ball of wax, right? Uh, the compassion, you know, the, the then values, which is another very important piece and the foundation of this work. And then acceptance, compassion, empowerment. I broke it up two chapters each. The first is on the barriers. Okay. The second is on how to cultivate it. Because we need to know what gets in the way of us cultivating it. And there are so, listen, I have a chapter for each. So like mm-hmm. that just tells you how many barriers are in the way. Yeah. And the way that we're acculturated has a lot to do with it. It, it just does. And we need to be aware of it, what we're up against. So Ryan, I apologize for ever giving you a hard time about you being boastful. 
I was going to share that I feel fortunate to have not felt like I was ever diminished in that way. Like I had, you know, two parents that were encouraging of that. Um, so for uh, your reference, Michelle, I'm one of two and a half. My dad had a first marriage. And I have a much older brother. Um, but I grew up with just one older brother who was the more analytical. He's now an engineer. Um, and I was the performer. I was the, you know, the one who just wanted to be front and center. And my parents definitely encouraged that. I feel like I was allowed to be the one who could go on stage and I was more so celebrated for that. So I, mm-hmm. I think it, I was positively grown in that way. So I, I recognize mm-hmm. that being something you did well. Well, and Julie, <laughs> Julie, you could take pride in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be proud. Be selfish. Be proud. <laughs> well, I used to refer to the one as an engineer, and then I referred to Ryan as the Imagineer. And uh, so when they work hmm. together, when they work together, even at a young age, I would go, okay, there goes the engineer and there goes the Imagineer. And it was just interesting to see how they work together because it was really a great compliment. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. So, but that's I love that. I love, yeah. I love just even using those, those, uh, you know, ways of describing them as beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So are we um, back to your yeah. lovely book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could definitely, as you could tell, I love, I'm a storyteller. So I love just no. talking and talking. And we love incorporating some of our stories too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the acceptance, compassion, empowerment is really a way to cultivate that. And, you know, yeah. when I say acceptance, you know, people cringe sometimes acceptance. Like I don't want to accept the way I am, because if I do, then I'm accepting mediocrity and, and, you know, accept. Mm. so mm. that that's a big, huge barrier that gets in the way often. And that's not really what it's about. It's really acknowledgement. It's, you know, we could call it acknowledgement. We could really seeing ourselves, which we don't see very often because again, a lot of it, you know, our minds are wired to protect and to avoid discomfort. So because of that, and we have very reptilian, reptilian brains, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we, we just avoid, we're avoiders. That's just by nature of being a human being. And that makes sense. Yeah. So to really acknowledge who we are and work with what we have is a little bit of a farce to most of us. Yeah. Um, and that, that cuts across all people, by the way, and all cultures. It's not just, you know, American, you know, per se. Um, compassion is really coming from a compassionate place. And again, I'm, I'm dulling this down. Obviously we, you know, I have 300 pages of, you want to learn about cover it, all of those right, right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like really dulling it down. Gosh. Um, <laughs> compassion again, same type of thing. You know, we're not taught to be self-compassionate when we mm-hmm. have a struggle, when something comes up for us. And I see this so often we have thoughts about the thoughts and feelings about the feelings and thoughts about the feelings and feelings Mm -hmm. about the thoughts. And it becomes like a pancake, like this big pancake of not only thoughts and feelings, but we have, but shame and guilt and distress over our thoughts and feelings. It becomes such a huge barrier. And then it becomes like this resistance to really, really kind of being self-compassionate because again, the thought is if I'm compassionate towards myself, am I going to let myself get away with that? Mm -hmm. Is that going to, you know, diffuse the ability for me to move forward and thrive, you know, we get, we get concerned and worried about that. So, and then the skills to be self-compassionate, we don't learn that whoever teaches us to be self-compassionate. What does that even look like? What does that mean? People always ask me, because again, I I say this often, you know, we really want to be self-compassionate. How do I do that? How do I do that? And when I even do these exercises with individuals, whether it's looking in the mirror, 
you know, whether it's, you know, doing the butterfly, which is, you know, sort of comes from EMDR mm-hmm. and the, and the, you know, bilateral stimulation, right. And just sitting with, or doing the guided meditation, whatever it is, it is becomes so uncomfortable for people. They're like, what are you asking me to do? And why am I doing this? And this is so uncomfortable. And I don't want to be doing this, you know, please stop. Um, and the experience of what that is for them in the moment is so profound and magical. I cannot even tell you it's incredible. They really, really have a visceral negative response to it because they've never been taught. It doesn't feel good, but once they practice it, and I always say, you want to do it in increments. You want to do it really slowly in increments because it is changing and rewiring your brain. Right. Right. Because we have these neural pathways that are fixed because of years and years and years of experience. And again, genetically how we're wired. Um, and also, you know, physiologically. So we have to work hard at changing those experiences so that we're not kind of, again, in this, um, this formulaic way of behaving because we're yeah. so used to it and it becomes, it becomes so, you know, kind of primary in our behavior. Um, so we constantly have to do these exercises. And once you're able to do it, and I know I found, I find myself when I'm in like profound distress and it happens, you know, of course, um, one thing that resonates with me is when I get in distress, I kind of feel like I'm not okay. Like the world's mm-hmm. going to fall down around me. Um, I'm not gonna be able to handle things, whatever comes up for me. And when I sit there and I literally like, you know, do the butterfly, but the mantra that I use is I'm okay. And that makes mm-hmm. such a difference. Cause when I say I'm okay, it means that I will be able to get through this. And I've Mm -hmm. been able to get through difficult things in my life and I've been able to thrive. Mm -hmm. Then my whole nervous system relaxes and I'm able Mm -hmm. to see my strength and I'm able to empower myself and I'm able to see how else can I see this. And Mm -hmm. it's about the, what is not the, what ifs and whatever else is going on in the moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So being able to, you know, and then the empowerment piece, what I find is always so difficult for most people. And I include myself in this, of course, is we know how to change behavior. We don't know how to sustain it. That's a good that's, point. Yeah, that's yeah. where the difficulty comes in. And I do a lot Keeping of Keeping those habits going and patterns going that way yes. instead of it kind of like, oh, we're just paying attention to it temporarily. Yes. Yeah. And, and whether it's, you know, decreasing anger, right, or communicating more effectively or, you know, sustaining weight loss, whatever it is across the board, any kind of behaviors that we're trying to maintain. I'll ask people, you know, how is that for you? And they'll say, oh, I was able to do it for a week or two or whatever, even, you know, substance use, whatever the case is. And then I'll say, how was that over time? And they'll say, I faltered. I fell. I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I hear this over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I felt like there really needed to be a very strong, you know, kind of chapter in terms of really maintaining and sustaining kind of this behavior. But keep in mind, it all goes hand in hand. Because if you're kind of in the zone of acceptance and you're also practicing compassion, you're going to be more empowered, right? Mm -hmm. It it just lends itself to the process. And that's exactly what happens. Just this past week, I was working with somebody. I mean, I can't even make this stuff up, honestly, but I was working with this um, young adult, you know, her uncle died of cancer. And then a friend of hers is a victim basically I won't go into it because of confidentiality, but she, she was stabbed by a family member is in, and is in critical condition. And then mm. another, another friend of hers, her father suicided. I mean, this all happened within a week. 
Oh if God. you could, if you could even imagine such a thing, right, right. Person endured all of this in one week, and she's never ever endured things like this before. Like, you know, I was working with her on social anxiety. If you can imagine. Oh my God. So, so you know, but I have to tell you, uh, you know, and and in terms of her social anxiety, when I started seeing her, which was in, at the beginning of high school, wow. I mean, we're talking from A to Z. She is in such a profoundly different place that it is mind blowing. And I have to tell you that what's incredible about it is she's able, because she's cultivated those skills, she's able to use it now when she's in these really profound situations where she has these multiple kind of stresses going on at once. Mm -hmm. So it's been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. May I ask a question here? Uh, do you have a dog scratching on a door? I, I do. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I texted my family like at least 10 times. To they hear a them. sound. So yeah. I, I am so sorry about that. That's all right. I was like, this sounds yeah, like a... It's like, it sounds like a tail wagging or a door scratching. I, so, I, I really apologize. I, I, I literally... Boop, 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 boop. boop as, we're boop, talking, boop, boop. as we're talking, I texted my family like at least 10 times. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe they're like not looking at their phones. I doubt it. <laughs> sure. Sure. Or get, or, or it's more likely that they're thinking the other person is going to go yeah. take care of it. Yeah. So just, yeah. just to acknowledge the pattern of behavior uh, that this dog has in yes. terms of mm-hmm. it, uh, <laughs> it yeah. knowing that if it scratches on the door, it will get some attention. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> This is she. This is my new puppy, actually. Oh, what's, oh, what's your puppy's name? Her name is Violet. Her Violet? Is Violet. Violet. Yes. Oh. I actually got, she's a little bit of my kind of uh, support, support dog at this moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like a kind of a lap dog, support dog. So yeah. I've been going through a bit of a transition in my life right now, um, oh. which, which actually was a, the result of my book. So I do want to say that. Hmm. which is pretty amazing. And um, so, uh, so she's been really, really so therapeutic and supportive and loving and she's great. I love her so much. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So using, again, the sustaining the behavior is such a critical part of this because if you're not sustaining behaviors that you're proud of and is leaning into your values, as opposed to leaning outside of your values, you're going to always have those kind of profound negative thoughts about yourself, which is going to diminish your ability to thrive and living the life you want, obviously, and you're being your best self. So, and I use the word unleash very purposefully because the belief is it is within us. We all Mm -hmm. have that. Mm -hmm. All we need to do, it's, it's just taking the lid off and allowing Mm -hmm. a space to be able, right. To enhance that wonderful strength, that we have inside of us. And I, I use the, you know, in, in my closing, in my actually conclusion of, of my book, I use the metaphor of a, a sculpture. You know, again, right, we could have this big slab of marble or whatever the case, and it doesn't look like anything, right? But it is a powerful force. But then you sculpt, you know, you take the time to chisel away and form this beautiful sculpture. Um, and that's how we are. We all have it. We just need, mm-hmm. you know, we need, we need to be able to tap into our beauty and what makes us such wonderful mm-hmm. human beings. Yeah. Right. Right. It's beautiful. I'd, uh, I'd like to actually share, uh, a personal story if I can, sure. uh, a couple of things that you brought up reminded me of this. And it's something that I did access in my own therapy before. Mm-hmm. 
along the lines of you were telling the story of your son Wyatt, mm-hmm. who's kind of having this, uh, you know, he had a bit of a a realization and uh, examination of why he wants to be healthy, mm-hmm. and and just uh, also in the lines of being compassionate to ourselves and looking in the mirror and saying something. I found myself getting into exercising and lifting when I came out to LA and I was definitely examining my motivation of it being like, okay, I was single at the time. And I just like felt like I need to be loved. I had very little experience with romantic love and I was uh, trying to, you know, find some image of myself that I felt was deserving of this. And to be Fast attractive forward. to the as a good hunter, you were trying to be attractive to the Absolutely. opposite sex. Yes. yes. Yeah. And what's being modeled <laughs> by, you know, many images yeah. in Los Angeles is like, oh, yeah, here's this. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to look like. There's the ideal. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm working out for maybe six months getting into it. I'm eating a lot of like, you know, fake sugar, protein bars and different things. It's upsetting my stomach. I'm having a bit of some some GI issues, but I'm just kind of pushing through because I'm seeing some results, right? Like I'm ignoring some of that discomfort. But at a gathering with some friends, I find myself stuck in the bathroom instead of socializing with them because I'm really uncomfortable and I'm feeling a little bit, you know, blocked. And I have this moment on the toilet where I'm examining why I'm doing all these things. That's making me uncomfortable. Like, why would I be unhappy on the search of happiness? And Mm. I got up and I looked at myself in the mirror and I get emotional thinking about it. I, for the first time, stopped and said, you're so beautiful. And... Oh, baby, I'll get through this. And I could have that moment to myself where I was like, you're so deserving. Oh and God, he's so gosh then, darn! He's such a good-looking kid. Mm-hmm. But 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 more than just beautiful on the outside, you're beautiful on the inside, babe. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say that, like what you just said, was so meaningful. It really was, and it's because, Aww. well, just being authentic, like it, you know, like it's putting tears in my eyes, honestly. <laughs> right, because we don't see it. We don't see it, and it's so like it's so sad that we can't see that. Yeah. right mm-hmm. like it's just so sad that you can't, yeah. can't see that in ourselves yeah Michelle, i'm yeah. just so glad that you talked about this subject it just brought out something very sweet for my my son so mm-hmm. you touched his heart yeah yeah i mean these are, these are happy tears obviously like yeah. it's yeah. it's yeah. me like i've shared this with my partner and with other people before and i was like this was like probably my biggest breakthrough and something i was just so happy i needed to have and then since then, like I, I slowed down my exercise because I was like, I can just be happier with with what I have, and mm-hmm. and it's really achieved like the highest level of self esteem you know I had, and that was that was about three years ago, and I'm just so happy I had that moment. Yeah, and that I mean that was the same for me while I was writing this book. I I couldn't believe how long I've been repressing fe- my feelings for, like for mm-hmm. literally 25 years. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> But I, when I really came down to thinking if I'm living my best life, I realized I wasn't, yeah. you know, and I had to make a really big change in my relationship, you know, and I'm working towards that right now. And it's very hard for my family, obviously. And, you know, we've both came to the conclusion that we really need to make a change and, you know, and some people know about it. Some people don't, it, it isn't fully kind of been, you know, out there, I guess, um, to the world, which I'm doing right now, <laughs> I guess. Mm. 
Um, Very courageous of you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I realized like I wasn't who I want to be and I don't want to go down like that. I just don't like, I'm not really, really living at my values if I really think about it. And there are other confounding variables and values that are keeping me in the situation that I'm in. And that's what I find constantly happens, which I talk about also in the book is that we have conflicting values that we struggle with. And when that happens, when both sets of values are equally important, right? That's when we get real distress about making a decision in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And not at, sometimes we have to decide which value, right, has to be formative for us in a given situation and moment. Mm-hmm. And that means that you have to accept disappointment and frustration and negative emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you're not going to walk away, you know, kind of you know, all happy and, and cherry, right? Rose colored glasses. It's just not going to be that way. And in order to make that decision, you have to be accepting of that too. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's definitely something that I'm, you know, working on right now for myself. Well, I think that's wonderful. And I think that speaks volumes of what you, what your book's about, like what you, you just said. And, you know, uh, I also just saw my own natural curiosity. You talked about the fight or flight response, yes. but, I, but you're, um, your ancestry really had to fawn and had to freeze, right, for survival. Yeah. And so I can see in terms of that, in terms of survival responses, how we kind of adopted that from our own ancestors and how they kind of taught us, you know, even non-verbally uh, that, uh, you know, this is what we needed to do to survive. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, I don't have to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? That's and, and, and that's where we get back to the present. Like yeah. sometimes we're, we're living out these old legacies that really aren't even, but we could really survive in a much better place uh-huh. with this whole new different way of operating. But, yeah. but I, I just, I, I just wanted to acknowledge Thank that you. as you, as, in your journey. And I celebrate that with you. Thank you. And you know, yeah. it's over this, over the past like, couple of weeks, which is, you know, I, I see changes in my behavior, which is so fascinating to me. So one of the things, uh, I mean, it's kind of funny, but one of the things that I did recently, like the beginning of the year is I, I put purple, like on the inside of my hair, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which looks really funky and cool, you know, but then I decided, like, I, I thought about this the other day. I'm like, okay, I think I'm over my midlife crisis, you know, and I don't need to do that anymore. Cause I don't have to be cool and edgy. Like I'm, I am cool and edgy. I don't need to put purple in my hair to say I'm cool and edgy, you know? And then also the other thing, which I'm doing, which feels so it's more emblematic of like this, this kind of, again, metaphor for freedom and openness and being my best self. Like I am going through all of my things, like my closet, you know, my personal stuff. And I, every night, cause I, pr- I practice doing things in increments, right. Even, and I tell people just read a chapter a week. You don't have to go through the whole book, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that every night. I do a little bit of my closet and I have to tell you, it's been such an incredible experience because I'm really doing what I'm saying I'm doing. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, it feels so free. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, when, when you really are able to do an evaluation, and this is what I always ask people to do at the end of your evening, and you sit down with yourself and you go through your values and you ask, are you leaning into it or are you leaning out of it? It's a much more empowering approach instead of being derogatory to, towards yourself and self-defeating by saying, oh, I'm such a bad person or I'm so shameful that I didn't do this today. You could say to yourself, you know what? 
I didn't quite lean into my parenting values as much as I wanted to yesterday because, you know, whatever reason. And you know what? Tomorrow, that's going to be my focus. I'm going to really, really make it kind of intentional to lean into that. That's a much more compassionate approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, you said that you took, uh, there's something in her book that you, or that yeah. you had completed. Speaking of evaluation, um, yeah, mm-hmm. on your website, there is a quiz to, uh, yeah. to, be uh you know put into a category or be told what your unique you know answer or issue might be um mm-hmm. and so i was wondering maybe after talking to me or if you want to ask me any other questions if you could guess what my unique answer was from taking your your ace quiz so which which question because there was a lot of questions yeah i can uh i can pull up the uh, yeah because i don't remember quiz. yeah which one <laughs> which one you're referring to let's put it that way <laughs> let's see here so this quiz that's on your website is uh uh, you know poses the question which unconscious behavior pattern is keeping Uh you stuck in life yes 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 okay so among the questions are how long have you felt stuck or unable to move forward in your life yeah yeah um it's for me just a couple years when uncomfortable thoughts or feelings get evoked how do you most often react Mm -hmm. um and so do you want some of my answers real quick? And then you can sure, just sure. see if, yeah, if you recall what that. it's going to say. Okay. I would love to hear that. Cool. So among these questions, if we'll take it together, um, yes. it asks <laughs> like what your behavior is when you have these uncomfortable thoughts or feelings. Uh-huh. I say, you know, you should keep myself occupied or find a task. Um, yeah. In general, whenever you attempt to change negative habits or implement positive habits, how long does that change usually last? I said uh, probably just a few days. Yeah. How often do your thoughts and feelings prevent you from following through on doing things you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I say some of the time. When you make a mistake or are unable to carry out a goal, what do you typically do? Mm-hmm. And among the options here, I like to think that I seek to find value in what can be learned from my experience still. On average, how many traumatic, life-changing experiences have you had in your life? I haven't had uh, too many, so I'll say I've never really ex- experienced anything. He doesn't recall his traumatic experiences. Yeah. I had some, <laughs> yeah. I've repressed them all. He's dissociated yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how often do you check in with yourself to actively note how you're thinking, feeling, and behaving? Um I think I mostly check in with myself during significant moments in my life. Mm-hmm. If I had to choose just one, where do I most often find my mind wandering to? I'd say probably about the future. Mm. And when it comes to acceptance and uh, compassion, which the following statements aligns with me most, I'm usually better about being compassionate towards others before myself. Mm-hmm. When I work towards an achievement, my biggest drawback is probably the motivation to start the work. Mm. <laughs> I love her and... responses. Yeah. <laughs> well, so mm. I'm, I'm hearing, mm. I'm, I'm hearing mm. kind of anxious avoidance. You know, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what's kind of coming out when I hear you speaking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you my, tend to, um, do you tend to be avoidant? I think a little bit. Yeah. It, it can be in the and like you said, in the the challenge of two values, when there's two um, things that I find very important and are conflicting, uh-huh. yeah, that 
is then something that's too difficult of a question for me to answer that I might need to avoid then. Okay. Uh, and many small things in what I've managed to mature through and I'm not afraid to talk about, I think I like to challenge a lot of things head on. You know, most of my my work uh, is just like problem solving. So I pride myself in being the person that's like, yeah, I'm not afraid to fix this situation or talk to this person about what needs to be done. But uh-huh. again, maybe that's very external. A lot of the internal things that like I'm afraid to really challenge of myself. Uh-huh. Um, so my unique answer from your quiz though, is that yes. my unconscious behavior pattern is, is that I'm uh, I'm stuck on the shiny object. Mm-hmm. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so was that was that enlight- was that enlightening for you? Anything about it that was enlightening? Just get it was reinforcing. I think I uh you know, I have been told this and I just need to be reminded that, you know, I can distract myself and I like to distract myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's just like, yep, that's that checks out. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. So so yeah. at a very young age, this uh-huh. is a this is where Ryan I believe Uh, Ryan was uh, six weeks old and he was hospitalized due to an abscess Mm. Uh, has no, obviously no recall because he was so young. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, at a very young age, he was always a daydreamer. Mm. And so, um, so that's the thing that when he talks about that kind of like where his mind goes, there's some real, as I talked to Ryan about it, I mean, there's some really value in his imagination and his, daydreaming and then and i i honor that i mean that that has value and then what i imagine for you ryan is that the frustration that sometimes that gets in your way of other mm-hmm. things that have value and yeah. so yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah well and again it's it's appreciating that part of you right because mm-hmm. it's yeah. such a special unique wonderful part of you that makes you who you are right yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan yes. puts his hand on. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and although although it could be a barrier, it's not really a barrier. You know, it's it it causes maybe behaviors, right, that don't lend to you being your best self. Let's put it that way, right. Sure. But if you cultivate it in a way where you're able to kind of notice it, you know, acknowledge it, have compassion for it. And empower you, right, to act in a way that you're feeling personally proud. You'll mm-hmm. love that part of yourself. Yeah, right? you'll appreciate that part of yourself, right? Because if we if we demean or we have kind of these demeaning feelings and thoughts towards those parts of ourselves, we're really demeaning our whole self. Yeah, yeah. We can't split off or cut off parts of ourselves. It doesn't work that way. You know, yeah. there's there's utility in every single part. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's working on accepting that. And I think I've made some steps to be like, yeah, I accept that this is just kind of who I am and the challenges that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I need to keep working on accepting those truths that I've told myself to mm-hmm. of like, this is like kind of what you need. Let's, let's work towards that value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you can so. use your imagination for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, and also if you notice that that strength is getting in the way of really seeing, like when I ask, like, how else can you see this? Right. Mm -hmm. If it's getting in the way of that and you know that that is, that isn't a strength of yours because of just the way you're wired, right. That doesn't mean it has to be an impasse. So you could seek out resources to be able to enhance yourself in order to meet those needs that you don't maybe, maybe intrinsically have. 
Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to all come from within you. That's the whole point. Like you're not, you're not, um, you know, we're we're very multidimensional and Mm -hmm. we're not going to be everything. You know, I had this discussion yesterday. This was also really interesting. I had a discussion with somebody yesterday. We were talking about rejection, the idea of rejection, right? We all avoid, you know, the the opportunity of being rejected, obviously, like that's a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always say, if you don't want to be rejected, you can't be in any, you can't be in relationships because <laughs> rejection is part of relationships and it's actually part of our growth, right? We have to learn to be accepting of rejection and all different kinds yeah. of ways. Like some rejection is more profound than others, of course. Um, but I was also saying that, why is it that you think that everyone has to like you? Like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. So then they're, they're like, I don't know. I go, can I ask you a question? Do, do you like everybody? So they go, no. I go, oh, so you don't like everyone, but everyone has to like you. How mm-hmm. does that work exactly? Like, please explain mm-hmm. that to me. Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. that. And they started cracking up. You know, they were laughing. I was like, yeah, like you have to accept that you're not for everyone and everyone's not for you. Correct. Yeah. Right. And that that's going to, in some, sometimes it's going to impact on you being rejected and you rejecting others and that's okay, but th- you could still be kind. You could still act from your values. You could still be kind. You could still be considerate. Yeah. You could still be thoughtful. You could still be compassionate. You know, that doesn't take away from who you are. Absolutely. Right? So it's like learning all these kind of facets of ourselves and appreciating that part and recognizing that we're in the world with other people. It's not, we're not a, in isolation by ourselves, you know? Well said. Well, I appreciate so much of what you shared with us. Um, this is my segment here where I ask the question, are, are there any additional resources or sure. books besides your lovely book? Which you. I, I ask you to say the title of again. Oh, sure. Sure. It's Ace Your Life, Unleash mm-hmm. Your Best Self, and Live the Life You Want. And it's on every book story you can imagine. <laughs> I, I am a very big proponent of mindfulness and mindfulness practice. So mm-hmm. some of the theorists and authors that I absolutely love are Tara Brack, and I'm sure you've heard of her. Right. She, is, she writes a lot on radical um, acceptance and radical compassion. And she also has a podcast, which is second to none. I, I would, you know, she has like weekly talks that are just mm. so meaningful. You know, I find when I, when I'm getting ready in the morning, I'll just put on one of her talks, you know, for the week and it, you know, she just her anecdotes and just how wonderfully like engaging she is. She's really, you know, I would, I would really recommend her. Pema Chodron, you know, um, also writes wonderful books. I would definitely recommend her, you know, and the people you've obviously heard of, uh, Taknahan, you know, Dan Harris is a new person, you know, obviously he's more in the mainstream realm of mindfulness, Sharon Salzberg, Eckhart Tolle, you know, and I could go on on John Kabat-Zinn. There's so many people that are just like, their books are just so meaningful. And I know for myself, I'm not a big reader, um, but I listen mm-hmm. to audiobooks. I've like, once I've stumbled on audiobooks, it's a new world for me. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I definitely, my attention sometimes just doesn't, it's not conducive to sitting and reading. So I really appreciate the audiobooks. Um, I also want to say in my book, what I do, what I did at the end of each chapter is I give, you know, specific exercise to mm-hmm. cultivate the skills in the way that I'm speaking of. And I do end off each chapter because I do have a YouTube channel with guided meditations. I do a guided meditation through COVID. Actually, I was doing like three a week just to give people support 
you know, um, but now I'm doing it only once a week because it was very time consuming, <laughs> um, but it's free, you know, obviously you can mm-hmm. listen to it, but at the end of each chapter, I also do a guided meditation, which has a, you know, you could scan, it has a barcode um, to be able to get that off of YouTube. Um, nice. Yeah. So those are just little resources. Again, if you know, you want additional resources. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so my question is, is one thing we also prepared you for, and I feel like you might be one of the most prepared people for because <laughs> yeah. through looking through, you know, pieces you've written before, like for psychology today, you've yes. listed uh, some mantras that maybe could be useful for other people already. So my question being, do you have a mantra, maybe something that you <laughs> attach yeah. to that you feel, uh, you feel could be helpful. I'd like to quote one thing before I have you pick this. Oh, oh I'm gonna ask a read. question and then stop her. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to interrupt you and say, hey, let me finish. <laughs> I'm building up to it. Uh, quoting what you you have uh, contributed to psychology today, yes. just the, the benefits of this. Uh, several studies suggest that mantras may improve health and mental health systematic review found general improvements in stress, anxiety, anger, depression, and burnout among participants in 37 different studies. And another randomized controlled trial found clinically relevant reductions in depression symptoms. So Uh we're saying and showing, and you link the reviews and articles here that there's evidence and this has real benefits. So we're not just doing this for fun guys. No. And by the way, (laughs) that that article, just Mm -hmm. so you know, I, mm-hmm. if I tell you how many people read it, I was like shocked, you know, but, yeah. um, many, many people, but, um, I, I would recommend reading it because again, because it really lists the benefit of it. Yeah. Um, but th- these are evidence-based and, and I, I really want to say that a lot of people just say, do this because, you know, it's a good idea. I I'm saying that there's research done on these. So I'm not just kind of preaching it, you know, I'm saying that, and I always tell my clients too, I always say, don't listen to anything I'm telling you, like prove it to yourself. Mm. Like you could completely, completely right. Have, you know, resistance and reluctance and I get it, but like prove it to yourself. Don't, don't Mm. even, don't even trust what I'm saying for that matter. It's fine. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the mantra that's come up for me a lot in my practice, and this is over the past week, I, I, I keep on repeating this and it's such a good lesson for me personally, but not to act from your thoughts and feelings, but rather your values. Mm-hmm. That I've repeated that so many times this week. I cannot even tell you. <laughs> the other thing that I've repeated this week a lot for whatever reason is to live in the what is, not the what ifs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those two things. If those are things I want to emphasize and encourage people to really think about. And to live their lives with saying that to themselves, because it really, really manifests and changes behavior, like in such a substantial way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you touched on the, the, what is versus the, what if earlier, yeah, and I yeah. think, yeah, just like recognizing that and sitting with that, we can, we can easily use that to evaluate our situations and that yeah. might be a mantra that is useful to an individual that's listening right now. So yeah. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful uh, mm-hmm. having this time with you. And thank you so much for giving us all your wisdom and all your life experiences. Oh, I'm just very moved by what you shared. And I'm 
Um, and I feel like I can walk away with some really, uh, wonderful, um, things to digest and, you know, apply also in, in my life and with the people that I work with. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I, I really want to give people tools, like a toolbox to walk mm-hmm. away. That is like the most important thing to me. Like this really, really comes and I'm, I'm, I hope that it, it shines through when I speak, but it comes from my profound desire to help people and love yeah. for, for humans. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, know, I know how much it's helped me personally. And I see the effect it has on others. And I just really want people to be living their best life. Like that is the most yeah. important thing to me. I'll be the first to give you this compliment. Uh, you seem authentic. Oh. And- <laughs> <laughs> it really comes through. You know, thank you. Oh, I, I know you meant that sincerely. But <laughs> first to say it. No one's ever thought of, of calling nobody's her authentic no, Nobody's before. noticed that about no, her at all. I'm, I'm a pioneer. I'm, I'm an imagineer. Yeah. That's what they say thank you. Them. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> well, well you know, well. you're talking about being an empath. Ryan is very much an empath, too. And so, um, so it's just interesting. We're all kind of sitting here in this conversation and really both all of us kind of having that shared resonance. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's nothing, there's nothing like more meaningful than having deep, like meaningful conversations with others who you could really talk about these deep things with. So like, I, it's been such a pleasure for me. So I do want to say that. And I have to say, I love the idea that you do this together as mother (laughs) and son. I really want to say Mm -hmm. this. It's so inspirational. It's so inspirational. Yeah, it's, it, this, this is nothing I could have ever done with my mother, you know, and, and just to witness when I see you making me cry now, um, <laughs> when I witness this, it's really meaningful. Uh, to me. Oh, yeah. we're glad that this is, um, this is something that's very special to me. This is, uh, this is our legacy that we get to capture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so uh, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's pretty special. So thanks just for being a part of yeah. it. Thanks yeah. for letting me share uh, a story with you today and, and just, you know, aiding yeah. us a little bit along our journeys. Thank you. And for me, I shared this with Ryan before as a working mom, it was, uh, it's just been such a gift to me to have this opportunity to make up for all these, the lost time that I, you know, felt like he didn't get to learn this about me or he didn't discover this. And so we, we've, we've really learned so much. Uh, Mm -hmm. because we're spending this time together and so we just really value uh, the opportunity that we uh, that we've continued to build our connection and our understanding of one another and that's what life's all about yeah right Mm -hmm. like you just want to deepen your relationships and you know so it's it's wonderful so I just want to say it's been it's been inspiring for me yeah thank you but so who knows, maybe you and one of your kids might have a little podcast someday. <laughs> Never know. Never know. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm first getting them to try to read my book. Like, yeah. let's start there. Let's start there. No, seriously. One thing at a time. But if you do, yeah, start a podcast with them. It's, you know, it's part of our intellectual property. So it's kind of going to be under our, our umbrella. Exactly. I gave them signed copies. That didn't help. I don't know what else I could I don't know. Like, the author audio signed book. it. Like that's you. <laughs> it's got to be audio, mom. It's got to be. Audio. I know. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I have to wait till March, but hopefully. oh, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's yeah. good for their listeners to know too that it's yeah. coming out that way. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's okay. my goal because I, I I I appreciate it so much. So I really hope to put it on audio, like hopefully March or April. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. good. To hear. We look forward to the audio version, but until then, we have the physical, uh, just paperback and hard back version uh if anyone's interested in that 
Michelle, thank you again for being thank a part you. of this episode. Thank um, you. We hope that everything that you're going through now has a very positive outcome for it and that you continue to live according to your values. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for all the inspiration. Thank you. You take care. Take care. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, I just have to tell you, um, I can just sense in her aura Mm -hmm. what a warm, compassionate person she is. I felt it the whole time. I mean, just very touched by... um, her passion, her enthusiasm. And yeah. I just feel very inspired by her. So yeah. I mean, she she recounted to us her journey of self-improvement started pretty young. Yeah. So she was working on herself and trying to share that enlightenment and that, you know, yeah. these tools with other people from an early age. And so it's been it's been her life journey up to this point already and something that she's really mastered. So it was right. Very and her ongoing life her. journey is really Absolutely. just this example of how we're all continuing to work on uh, mm-hmm. what, you know, what we've gotten uh, uh, due to cultural experiences, due to yeah. uh, family experiences, due to ancestral experiences. And then what we're all doing in terms of yeah. trying to overcome that and and rise out of it in a yeah. in a way that's, you know, uh, with some healing and with some mm-hmm. ongoing health. What she also modeled and shared, uh, you know, being that she has, you know, all these tools within herself and this experience, and she can probably be pretty good about coming back to living according to her values. But this shows that it doesn't make it stop. Like you still have transitions in your life. You still have these moments that you might still have to evaluate and, you know, weigh out these conflicts. Um mm-hmm. But it just gets easier. Like you'll just have these tools and you'll have a little bit more of a confidence in your decision once you've you've reached that that point in your life. But yeah, mm-hmm. it just shows that like, yeah, it doesn't mean that difficulties stop and things don't come up. It's just how mm-hmm. you handle them. Yeah. And, and it's like, as she said, in the evening, you're asking yourself the question so that you're ongoingly being mindful and tracking and noticing and uh, that self-awareness plays an important role. What a great guest. Yeah. So we didn't end up getting to uh, this new segment with our guest, but I would still like to ask these questions oh. of you. Oh, okay. Well, this will I be a fun, <laughs> yeah, a bit of a grilling. It'll be a quick couple questions. This is our segment that we are this now calling. This is a segment on how to make my mother anxious. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, it's called Get Psyched. (laughs) So in Get Psyched, I'm going to test our amazing professionals on their knowledge of basic psychology terms. So I'm the layman, and we probably have a couple listeners out there that aren't familiar, (laughs) didn't take a psychology class. You know, maybe they don't know these Mm -hmm. things, and they're going to learn a thing or two. Mm -hmm. So we're going to find out if you remember some of your basics. (laughs) Nope, put the phone away. There's no cheating. All right. Just a couple questions. Okay. If you get it right. Only one. One question. <laughs> no, we'll see about that. All right. Are you ready? No. <laughs> okay. Too bad. Here we go. Russian psychologist oh, no. Ivan Pavlov is most famous oh. 
okay. for conducting experiments using which animal? Dog. Boom. You didn't even need the multiple choice. And <laughs> real quick, what's what's <laughs> Thank that experiment? Thank you for that easy question. Yeah. You you recall what that experiment was? Uh, it had to do with uh, salivating about uh, being fed food. And, yeah, yeah, uh, the stimulus of ringing a bell. Yes, stimulus um, is a response. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Good job. See, you figured that out. Yeah, well, thank you for giving me okay. an easy one. <laughs> All right, so here's the situation. When you said Russian, uh, I was like, <laughs> You're like, oh. <laughs> Mary knows that if she does all of Mary her chores, had a little lamb. <laughs> she won't be grounded for the weekend. What type of motivation is she displaying? Is it goal-oriented, intrinsic, task-oriented, or extrinsic? Okay. Um, she knows if she does she, her chores, she won't be grounded. Well, I was going behavior modification, but you're you're using a little bit more of a specific term of that so mm-hmm. i would say extrinsic ex ding, ding, saying ding, that ding. correct yep extrinsic you got it from my understanding yeah you know weighing out the external but external it's an external consequences versus an internal which is yes you know, yes i got it good job you did great <laughs> well i guess i'm not a dodo <laughs> you're not a dodo all right one more oh, no. playing one more Pressure. playing playing on a classic scenario. Mary Ainsworth studied the attachment theory by putting children and parents through a scenario famously called what? The novel situation, parent-child situation, the situation, or the strange situation. I'm leaning towards parent-child, but I don't think that's correct. Um what's the what was the last one? The strange situation. The strange? No. Okay, and what was the other two? <laughs> the novel <laughs> and just the situation. The novel? The novel situation. I've never heard this one before. Because no. um, I was thinking like, you know, working with separation anxiety. So I'm trying to think what's um, um, in terms of, or uh, strange novel. I'm just going to throw it out. Novel. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you well, you tried to evaluate it. It was the strange situation. The strange was it not stranger? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking like stranger anxiety, like strange stranger. But you said I guess strange. it's just it's yeah it's just you know without saying an individual you know classing it specifically as a stranger, it's just saying the strange situation and this you know example here the strange situation procedure is a valid method of measuring attachment in in kids. It's assessing um, infants' behaviors under conditions of mild stress and novelty. So it's still kind of on the idea of novelty, but it's, you know, putting Mm. them in a strange Mm. environment. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, two two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. (laughs) Pass the test. I'll say you did. And I almost got it right. (laughs) Almost got it. Well, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I hope people learned a little bit from that. Uh, maybe a little bit more from our guest. Yes. And also maybe have a little more curiosity about some of this stuff. Because a lot of times we don't think about these studies, but these studies really have helped us learn a lot more about yeah. humanness, uh, our psychology. So I, it's kind of interesting that 
if we didn't have these researchers out here, we would we wouldn't have a lot more information that we need. So yeah. thank you, researchers. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for making <laughs> it just easy for us to talk about. <laughs> I appreciate you, babe, and I appreciate mm-hmm. all our listeners. And uh, you you want to send us off? Sure thing. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again to Therapy with My Mom. We so appreciate you guys just spending a little bit of time with us on your Thursday or whatever day you listen to this. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder to take care of others and take care of yourself. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Therapy with My Mom. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can best support us by reviewing and downloading the episode on whatever platform you listen on. Tell your family and loved ones about the show, and don't forget to follow and engage with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Therapy with My Mom. You can also email us at therapywithmymom at gmail.com with any topic suggestions or stories you might want to have shared on the show. Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Mom. <laughs>